It's the frustration with the leads getting away in these last few games. Um, obviously pissed off about it, but um, like I said, I mean, all these games we've been playing, we've played some really good hockey. Um, you know, we've um, just given them back. We've had a lot of chances to extend leads in games and haven't done a good job of that. And, um, you know, I thought you know, we played pretty good defensively again tonight, but, um, you know, just a little slip up here and there, and they got a lot of skill that can make things happen. How much, if anything, can you chalk that up to a team that's just really, like, connecting on everything right now? Yeah, obviously the red hot. Um, you know, like I said, I thought uh, we did a really good job tonight of, you know, a lot of plays slowing them down, not giving them a whole lot off the rush, and you know, um, it's frustrating. But sometimes that's how it goes. And that was Mitch Marner of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Welcome into the program, everybody. Today is a beautiful Wednesday here. I'm Tassos Kirkos, your host um, for Good Morning Hockey. The Toronto Maple Leafs losers of four straight. You just heard from Mitch Marner. Um, they lose 4-2 to last night to the Edmonton Oilers, who extend their franchise record winning streak, which is now at 11 games. Um, that was one of the best games of the season, hands down, from, from my vantage point at least, from my seat on the couch last night. Um, the Stars were going on either side. The Austin Matthews goal, 30 seconds into the game. But the Leafs blow another lead. They were up 2-0 in this one. It was a great game with great pace. Morgan Riley gets the goal to make it 2-0, but the Oilers find a way to come back. And um, it, it's going to be an interesting time in Toronto to see what happens here. Obviously, you just heard the response from Mitch, but the response from his teammates, Austin Matthews and John Tavares and Martin Jones, were very similar in the the tone. Later on in that uh, passage there, Mitch Marner goes on to say that the Leafs are a very good team that will figure it out. Um, time will tell. Time will tell. There were some defensive misgivings, I should say, on the Leafs side of the puck, and it's going to take a good collective defensive effort to regroup and figure out how to put a little bit more structure in place, not bite on so many chances now and again, and working on positioning, especially on the, the game-winning goal late last night by Ryan McLeod. Um, was a tough one for the defense on the Maple Leafs. So the Maple Leafs have lost four in a row. The Oilers have won 11 in a row. Um, Stuart Skinner looked really good last night. Darnell Nurse looked really good last night. Leon Dreisaitl with a goal looked very good yesterday. Connor McDavid obviously was flying. In my personal opinion, I felt that he was all over the ice in the first period. He let the pace of play go on its own terms as opposed to his for a majority of the second period and then was lights out in the third. So um, that was a great game, probably one of the best games of the season I've seen. And the Leafs are going to – things are things are creeping up on them. They, they lose to the Detroit Red Wings on Sunday, who had spent the entire day in the airport and didn't know if they were going to make it to Toronto for that game. And now the Leafs are on a road trip, and they will face off in Calgary on Friday night. And – we shall see how that goes. Um, but speaking about their opponent on Friday, the Calgary Flames, uh, they defeat the Arizona Coyotes 3-2 in overtime last night. And Igor Sharangovich with the overtime winner. We'll get to him in a second. But how about, first of all, the the rush by Marty Pospisil and then the one-handed pass over to Nazem Kadri on the game-tying goal last night. A thing of beauty. And then Sharon Govich, who is really starting to come into his own on a Calgary Flames team that seems to be finding their groove and jumping themselves back into a playoff race. 
And Sharon Govich, Sharon Govich is really a big part of that. A lot of people thought that the return was not worthy when they dealt Tyler Toffoli, Tyler Toffoli to the New Jersey Devils. And man, Sharon Govich is on pace for her. A new career high in goals. His career high is 18 or is 24. He's at 18 now and points. His career high is 46. He's at 31 now. Only 41 games played. So halfway mark of the season for him and his club. And he has six goals in his last four games, including a hat trick over the Coyotes in Arizona last week. So Toronto will have a tough test on their hands versus the Calgary Flames. And it's it's nice to see Calgary playing well. Ryan Huska is um, starting to make his mark on this club and how they play and what kind of identity they're trying to play with. Michael Backlund is uh, a really good leader. Um Pound for pound, in my opinion, one of the better, more well-revered leaders in the NHL right now, especially as far as the captaincy position goes on a lot of these clubs. And um, so it's good um, to see Calgary winning. There was a lot of talk about, are we trading this guy and are we trading Tanev and are we trading Hannafin? And they still might end up doing some of those things, but now we're getting to see these guys as a part of this group in a meaningful playoff race. Um, Dan Vladar, netminder, looked really good last night too. Jacob Markstrom is on um, the IR right now. Not really sure off the top of my head how long he will be on the IR, but Dustin Wolf was the backup last night, and we will see if he gets a, another game in the goal. He was recently named to the AHL All-Star game, along with um, Calgary Wranglers teammate Matt Coronado. So... Um, the flames look really good on the Arizona side of things. They are working their way through some struggles and, um, they're still playing really hard. They, they gave Calgary everything they could last night. Logan Cooley gets his fourth of the year. Andre Torgny was very impassioned behind the bench. You could say he, um, really shows he cares for his players. There, there might not be many coaches in the NHL that, uh, demonstrate the care for their players like Andre Torgny does. So that was a great game last night too. Elsewhere around the league, sticking in the, the Canada sphere, the Colorado Avalanche defeat the Ottawa Senators 7-4. to That was a game in which the Ottawa Senators led 4-2 to and then gave up the last five. Um, I want to take a moment for defenseman Sam Malinsky, Lakeville, Minnesota native. He spent four years with the Cornell University Big Red. He was captain his senior year. And in his first 19 NHL games here, he has three goals and he has eight points. He is very offensively intelligent. He is such a smooth skater. The awareness is there. It is at a very, very high level. And he is essentially giving Colorado another wonderful piece to a back end that already includes Devontae's and Kale McCarr and Sam Gerrard and Bowen Byram and the list goes on. So... But Sam Malinsky's a player. He he might be a little small, and I think that, that why, that's why he might have gone a little undernoticed, even in his time in Cornell. Um, he, and he went, uh, an interesting note, he went straight from the NAL, the, the NAHL, the North American Hockey League, which is a Tier 2 junior hockey league in the United States. Um, not that it's uncommon to see people who played in the NAHL eventually make it onto the NHL, but um, I'm sure that it's a nice feather in the cap for the NAHL. And um, congrats. So congrats to Sam Malinsky. He had one and one yesterday, goal and assist. And um, congratulations, I guess, on just a, a great start to an NHL career. And 
Also, uh, uh, congratulations to Jason Pollan of the Colorado Avalanche. He got his first NHL goal. He is a Bolt, Michigan native, which isn't too terribly far from Raven and I here in Chicago. He was a Western Michigan Bronco. So he gets his first in the NHL. And um, the Ottawa Senators lose again. And Jacques Martin saying after the game, quote, I think we just need a better effort from some people. We need more determination. Like, I look at the fourth goal, and it's a lack of determination and a lack of commitment. To me, when you're ahead and you're protecting the lead, you need to have some urgency in your game. (sighs) Yikes. So the Ottawa Senators, like I said, give up five straight. They were truly overpowered by the Avalanche. It wasn't – it was – even when they had the lead, even when the Senators had the lead, you could feel the Colorado surge coming. Um but there there were some senators on the, the team that had good nights, and I think that might be the theme here in Ottawa. Brady Kachuk with three assists. Ridley Gregg has two goals. He's starting to look really good and asserting himself physically in the NHL. Um, Claude Giroux has been arguably the senators' most consistent player this season. He adds two assists for himself. Jake Sanderson with a, a goal and an assist of his own. So there are positives in Ottawa. It's not that it's all negative, um, but I think the goaltending is a bit of a misgiving for the Senators. I don't know what they're really going to do when it comes to the goaltending. It seems that whether it's Corpus Allo or whether it's Forsberg in the net, that it's just tough to keep the puck out of the net. And um, so I, I, I think that it, it's going to be very hard for Jacques Martin to instill the kind of commitment and attention to detail that he is going to want to see at the timeline of which he's going to want to see it at. Personally, I think with the Senators, it's going to have to be a bit more of a figuring out of who is a part of this core and to what extent you are willing and wanting to be a part of the core. And that goes for whether you are a young guy who may have just inked a brand new deal or maybe in the early stages of an early long-term deal. Or you're a veteran. I think questioning Claude Giroux's commitment to the club is not necessary. So um, I will not do that. However, um, maybe some of the older guys on the team. Now, we know there are some pieces on the team that are merely around because they are convenient. Guys like Tarasenko, guys like Kubalik. um, And those guys may end up being moved on uh, closer to the trade deadline. I would be shocked if the Senators held on to them for the risk of losing them to free agency in the summertime. But um, Ottawa's just got to do a better job on the defensive effort. Now that you have Thomas Shabbat back in the lineup too, um, it's just got to be a collective effort, right? And it might, it may or may not be an awkward fit there with all the left-handed shot defensemen, right? You have Sanderson and Shabbat and Chikrin there and... I'm a big Jacob Chikrin fan, obviously. I'm a big Jake Sanderson fan. Um, and I love the games they play. I love each of the the aspects that they bring to it. However, um, and I'm also not a firm believer that you need to have balance of lefties and righties on your defense. There are great defensive pairings in the NHL that are lefty-lefty. Um, and... So I don't think it's that entirely. However, when you have three of your top dogs and they're all lefties, it it does create a bit of a situation where you're going to want all three of them in your top four, meaning one of those three is going to be playing on their offside. And that may just not be what is best for 
their style of play. Um, I don't think Chickering on, I know Chickering can play his offside. I don't, I think he looks a lot better when he's on his strong side. Same for Sanderson, same for Shabbat. Um, Shabbat's a bit more comfortable on the right side. So um, there's just, there's going to be some things that are going to be sorted out in Ottawa. I don't know if Jacques Martin is going to stay on as coach for the rest of the season. There are talks that there have been communications with um, some of the coaches on the sideline, like Craig Berube. I don't know if they've talked to someone like Jay Woodcroft yet. I would be interested to see if that is something they would look into. But Ottawa is having a tough go at it. They lose 7-4, to four and um, we'll, we'll see how they do in their next matchup. But um, that, that was a tough game. But Sam, Sam, Sam Malinsky, keep, it, keep an eye out for that name. That was a, a good name for me that stuck out, and I'm really impressed with them. The, the Senators will take on the Can- – they'll host the Canadians on Thursday night. And the Avalanche will visit Boston on Thursday as well. So uh, moving on, there are three games on tap tonight. We have the Detroit Red Wings visiting the Florida Panthers, who um, just can't stop giving Sam Reinhart goals. Um, Like I said earlier, the Wings are coming off that very impressive win in Toronto. The Montreal Canadiens are facing off in New Jersey against the Devils. I'm pretty sure the Devils will still be without Jack Hughes. And the Montreal Canadiens coming off a great win against Colorado themselves. Um, and then our our local Chicago Blackhawks are visiting Buffalo tonight to take on the Sabres in a game that the Sabres would very much like to win. Um, not that these teams don't want to win all of these games, but I think the Sabres really want that one. Um, I'm going to park a little minute here to talk about the Hawks. So the Hawks played yesterday. They're the only team playing tonight that played last night. They beat the San Jose Sharks 2-1 to one in the Macklin Celebrini Bowl. And um, Boris Kachuk with the shootout winner. And it was, uh, look, there's no Connor Bedard. We all saw the video of Connor Bedard skating. So he has resumed skating. He's not allowed to take slap shots from what I hear. And um, I don't think they could keep that kid off the ice much longer, by the way. But even in his absence, I know they lost three straight last week after the win over Calgary in Chicago. And, um... But you can tell that this team is playing very hard. Luke Richardson is a very, very good coach, and he is instilling the right details in place, even though he understands that a majority of the roster will not be the same as it gets turned over over the next few years. But that habit of instilling that kind of hardworking culture and that never-give-up relentlessness is going to do the Hawks wonders in the years to come. Um, the Hawks also re-signed Jason Dickinson to a two-year contract extension that raised a lot of eyebrows around the city, I can assure you. Um, not that Jason Dickinson isn't a fine player. He's been a great fit with the Blackhawks. I just think that he's been such a good fit that a lot of people around the city figured that the Hawks would move him for draft capital. Now, there's a couple of points here. One, you need some players on the team. Is Whether Connor Bedard is in or out of the lineup, that is the same reason they re-signed Nick Foligno. Um, plus I don't think Nick Foligno really wanted to turn down $9 million at this stage in his career. Um, I know there was a bit of debate whether does he want to go chase a Stanley cup or would he rather take $9 million? And we all know which one he chose. And that doesn't mean that he can't go chase a Stanley cup next year or even the year after. Right. So, but back to Dickinson. So Dickinson also signs a two year extension. He did that right after, um, on Monday or Tuesday and, 
the Hawks, like I said, they need players. They need they need uh, responsible, good pros to mentor Connor Bedard, and not just Bedard, but the other young guys they have in the lineup, like Kevin Korchinski and um, Alex Vlasic and Isaac Phillips and all of these really good young players that they've brought up and they want to be Chicago Blackhawks. So having a pro like Jason Dickinson who's going to be contributing to the score sheet too is good for the team. And the ability to move on from him at a later time and collect assets at a later date uh, probably still appealed to the Hawks where it's not like they were losing both those guys for nothing. They're getting to keep them around a little bit. The Hawks also have a lot of draft picks. They have Tampa Bay's first rounder this year. They have the Leafs first rounder next year. So I don't know that it's entirely imperative that they just stockpile draft capital. Eventually, you're going to have too many prospects where they're not all going to be able to fit on your team and even in your minor league system. And the thing about the NHL draft is a lot of those are dartboard shots, right? You don't know if they're going to hit. You don't know if they're going to miss. And why take a chance on something that is a risk when you already have an asset that you know is secure? Plus, if you're the Hawks too, eventually at, the, at a later date, you can package up all these players and picks and you can move up or you can move down and acquire more talent. And the, the Hawks will have a lot of options. And I think this is what these re-signings are, is just them keeping their options open. Um, they will host the Islanders here in Chicago on Friday night after playing in Buffalo tonight. And um, then they'll go on a little bit of a road trip. They'll play the Alberta teams and uh, then they'll be back. So... Um, it's also nice to see Bedard skating. I know, uh, personally, I felt it was a bit of a quick turnaround, but it is nice to see him on the ice. I know that that kid is very energetic and very passionate about the game and just wants to be a part of it all the time and constantly improve in any way he can and keep himself active and keep himself, keep his legs in shape. So, um, you could tell that even in that clip when he was out there from the, the skate that, he wanted to just rip the puck, but they they were going to pull him off the ice if, if he did. So um, nice to see him back skating. Hawks win again. We'll see how they do tonight. Um, we'll see who they start in goal, and I think that'll be a good game. I don't think it's one on the night that a lot of people are anticipating. It might be the one of the three that people are anticipating the least. However, I think it should be a really good game. Elsewhere last night, um, the Caps went again, 2-0 over the Anaheim Ducks this time. Ethan Bear with his first as a capital, and that one won him a little money as this was the Battle of the Strom Brothers. You had Dylan Strom on the Capitals and Ryan Strom on the Anaheim Ducks, and I'm pretty sure Dylan Strom threw up 500 bucks on the board for the Capitals for the game-winning goal. So that $500 is Ethan Bear's. Um, he also just looks like a really nice fit with the Capitals. I know that whole situation was going to be interesting. Was he going to sign in Vancouver? Um, I know that the second year of term on his contract was very important to him and was a big factor in him choosing Washington to sign. Um, but the fit just looks excellent. Like he looks like a Washington capital. He plays very well into the structure of what they're trying to do in Washington. And as he gets more comfortable, Bear has offensive upside. He's not inept offensively whatsoever so he will start finding the back of the net more he'll start collecting some apples and um tom wilson also gets his 14th into the empty net that is all-star tom wilson gets his 14th into the empty net and darcy kemper with another shutout he's uh been making some big saves for the capitals as they continue to stay in the playoffs um Another Metro Division team, this one on the losing end of things, coming off a 5-0 loss in the Marc-Andre Fleury 5-5-2 win. 
the Islanders head up north to Winnipeg and they lose four to two over the Jets and the Jets steamroll them. I know the shots were close, um, but it, this game was not as close as the scoreline might have indicated. Um, one interesting stat I want to throw out there, um, but also, first of all, uh, Captain Anders Lee with the two goals for the Islanders and two very Anders Lee style goals. One, just an ugly net front um, on the side of the net, just banking it in under the goal line for the second goal he scored. And the first one was just a beautiful tip that surely was going to go wide before he got a stick on it. So um, two very Anders Lee goals for Anders Lee. But the the Winnipeg Jets, they are atop the NHL standings. They are one of two, one of three teams with 29 wins, the others being one, their division mates, the Colorado Avalanche, and two, their Canada mates, the Western Canada mates, even the Vancouver Canucks. So one of those three teams will be the first in the league to get to 30. The Jets hope it's them. And this stat about starting netminder Connor Hellebuck, who was in the game last night and recorded the win. So Connor Hellebuck has given up more than two goals only once since November 14th. And he only gave up three goals in that one game. And he did not give up three goals yesterday. So that streak continues. And the Jets are just really good. They are very, very good. I think their defense is incredibly underrated. You have Josh Morrissey, who is a defensive leader in this league, one of the top D-men and rear guard in the league. And the depth is really underrated. I don't think a lot of people are giving people like Dylan DeMello, Nate Schmidt, Brendan Dillon, a lot of credence as far as the the capabilities that they still have as defensemen in this league. And in Winnipeg, you can kind of be in a quieter market where, yes, there are people watching, there are people writing, it is on TV, There is you are in the national lexicon when it comes to being in Canada. However, as far as being in Canada and being a Canadian franchise, they probably fly under the radar the most, even though they are atop the NHL standings, like I said. And, um, yeah, I just I, I don't necessarily want their performance to go unnoticed. So um, that that is my my thoughts on the Jets. They will um, – I'm trying to see now who they will play next. Um, they will visit the Senators on Saturday. And I think that's their next game, unless I have it wrong, but I don't think I do. Um, so they will take on the Senators on Saturday. That is an afternoon game. Um, we'll see if they can keep rolling. Um, a little PWHL action. So I've been really enjoying this league a lot. I think the intensity is there. The skill level is really good because of the um, talent pool of a six-team league. And I think one of the things that a lot of us were wondering about this women's hockey league is one is fighting allowed. And the answer is yes, or more so the answer is not no, meaning there is no distinct rule that says you cannot fight in this league. However, they do wear face masks. They do wear cages um, or the half cage, half bubble thing, whatever, whatever you want to wear. And I don't know that some of these players are going to take that off and fight. However, it did look like we were going to get close as um, in the New York-Montreal game, right off a of face-off, it looked like Abby Rack was going straight for Marie-Philippe Marie Poulin. And um, she just kind of laughs it off. And as one of the greats in a game will do, Marie-Philippe Poulin is obviously one of the greats in the game. She ended up getting the last laugh, the game-winning goal off a great feed, off a great feed from Maureen Murphy who also had an assist on the Lay alum goal earlier in the game. 
Um, Montreal gets the win, three to two. Alex Carpenter for New York had two assists. She looked really good. She's probably been the most consistent player since the drop of the puck January 1st. She's been outstanding. She's tied with teammate Ella Shelton with seven points already. Um, she just looks really good, and so do both of those teams, by the way. I know Montreal got the win, but New York looks really good. Um, tonight, the PWHL has two games on tap. Boston will visit Toronto, and Minnesota will visit Ottawa. Um, so we'll see how that goes, um, and we'll see if we get our first fight. Ra- Raven, what do you think? Let's check in on Raven, first of all. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Um, d- do you think we're going to get a fight in the PWHL? And if so, when? I think think it needs to be a little bit longer i think like what you were saying with the the two ladies that were kind of pushing and shoving after the face off like the tension's definitely rising and it's going to be i would say probably two or three more games until someone kind of breaks and fights someone else so i would expect it within like the next month probably during february that we'll see a fight yeah, I mean, you got to think with six teams, right? You're playing the same teams, the same group of girls over and over again. Eventually, you're going to, I don't know, tensions are going to boil over. Something's going to happen, and somebody's going to take a cheap shot or take displeasure to something that happened on the ice, and one thing is going to lead to another, and we're going to see some sort of a fight. I don't know what that fight will look like. If gloves will be dropped, I assume they will, or if helmets will come off, I assume they will. But uh, we shall see. So a couple more NHL notes, uh, a little bit about last night. So the Rangers beat the Kraken 5-2. to two. Blake Wheeler had two goals. And Mika Zibanejad just looked like a man possessed out there last night. He was phenomenal. He uh, did not get a goal, but he easily could have had two or three. Um, one note on the Kraken I want to add, and I think this might be the understatement of the year, is Jared McCann and his shot development and how that has changed and grown over time. He has worked on it and worked on it, and it's always been his calling card. But you spend years in the NHL, you you finally tune it and perfect something that you are already very gifted at. And there might not there might not be very many players in the league that can shoot the puck better than Jared McCann can. So whether it's a wrist shot, a slap shot, a backhander, he rips it hard. So um, the Kraken lose again, though. That was a tough outing for Chris Drieger in that. Um, not that it was his fault. The Rangers were just very good, and he didn't really have much opportunity. So um, we'll see how that goes. But the the Rangers, after splitting games with the Washington Capitals last weekend and picking up a big win on Sunday that the Capitals looked really good in, um, this one the Rangers take on their own accord. Um Another, the other game last night being uh, Wyatt Johnson and the Dallas Stars defeating Drew Doughty in the Los Angeles Kings 5-1. to one. Um, Wyatt Johnson with the top-line promotion between Rupe Hintz and uh, Jason Robertson. And he rewarded them with a goal, his 12th of the season. Um, Joe Pavelski also scored. And so did Sam Steele, who's been a really nice fit in the bottom six for Dallas after moving from Minnesota last season. Um, so the Stars were really cooking Los Angeles's struggling even though they they won on monday over carolina their struggles continue um don't know that it's entirely on the net minding we've been doing a bit of net minding blame game today um that is not the goal here um i don't think that that is it in los angeles um it might be a bit of 
the forward expectation inconsistencies is what I think it is. You got some forwards playing some places in the lineup, some forwards playing other parts, and then you switch them around and you move them around. And the you have Pierre-Luc Dubois on the fourth line. You have Quentin Byfield getting his minutes limited, and it's not leading to any sort of success right now for the Los Angeles Kings. Um, they also are not playing um, Jordan Spence and Brant Clark in the same game at the same time, so... Um, that is an interesting thing to note. Um, that might change going forward. It might not. Um, if it were me, I would put both those guys in the lineup. But um, the Los Angeles Kings do have some things to figure out. And Dallas just keeps on rolling. Jake Ottinger looked really good last night. He was very solid for the Stars. Um, Rupe Hintz was very good. I don't know if at, at what point a player goes from being the most underrated to eventually when everybody calls him the most underrated, he becomes rated or um, even in some cases overrated. Now, Rupe Hintz is in no sense of the word overrated. He is still very much, in fact, under the radar. And um, he's just very good. He's very consistently one of the Dallas Stars' best players, not just forwards. Um, and even in a season where Jason Robertson is not producing at the same clip he has the previous two seasons. The production from Rupe Hintz is necessary, one, but just very nice for the Stars to have. Um, and so is Joe Pavelski continuing to score like he's 30 at the age of 39. I'm pretty sure he is now. Um, so a little bit of local news, not so local. It's about 160 miles southwest of us, but... The ECHL is expanding to Bloomington, Illinois. Um, they'll begin playing 24-25. It's the league's 30th team. They'll play at a Grossinger, Grossinger, Grossinger? I don't know. We're going to find out or we're not. But they'll play out of the Grossinger Motors Arena. Um, it has a capacity of 3,000. We don't know what NHL slash AHL team they'll be an affiliate of. But it's nice to see hockey growing here in Illinois, for one. Um, personally, I think it's an interesting choice. Um for a franchise, but you can tell that in Southern Illinois there, there's the proximity to one St. Louis and Missouri in general. Um, and two, just the opportunity for hockey. Um, you're close to Peoria there, former home of the AHL Rivermen. Um, and it, it, it's traditionally a minor hockey spot. So, um, Nice to see hockey growing there. Um, I wouldn't have minded if the team were in Chicago. Now, I, I do realize that there's no need for another hockey team of the professional level in Chicago. But um, maybe we'll have to go catch a ECHL game in Bloomington, Raven. Maybe. Maybe take the, the Marta out there. Or not the Marta. Jesus. Metra. The Metra. The Metra. The Marta. I had a little Atlanta flashback there, I guess. Is that what it's called in Atlanta? Yeah, it's the Marta. It It's... It, it basically just runs from, like, Four Corners, which is, like, the downtown major meeting point. And then there's, like, a giant plus, essentially. And it only goes, I think, about probably 25, 30 miles out of the city. It doesn't go too far. Oh, okay. All right. And maybe it doesn't even go that far. The one I always go to to get to the Atlanta airport is the Doraville stop. Heard. Heard. So, um, shout out any Atlanta people yeah shout out in atlanta of course always um we love atlanta here um they'll get a hockey team soon don't worry 
They will. They will. Um, you have the Atlanta Gladiators there right now. If we're going to spend a second here on Atlanta and Georgia. So speaking of the ECHL and of um, hockey in general, right? So you have the Atlanta Gladiators, which is an ECHL franchise. You also have the Savannah Ghost Pirates, which he, Raven and I were discussing off air. And just how cool of a franchise that is. First of all, the name. Second of all, the color scheme is a neon green. The logo is fantastic. And the team is good. They're a minor league affiliate of the minor league affiliate of the Golden Knights. So a lot of their prospects, um, Isaiah Seville comes to mind, has spent some time in Savannah. So, um, but hockey is growing. They're they're building a new arena in uh, the suburbs. I don't know where exactly it's going to be, but they are building a new arena. I don't know if, I don't know the NHL's urgency to go to Atlanta. I think they will go to Atlanta. I think it's a top one, two, three market for the NHL right now as far as relocation slash expansion goes. I don't know that there's much interest for the NHL right now in relocation of any of their franchises. Um, the Arizona Coyotes are still looking for a permanent home for themselves. So a lot of people will look at that franchise and point and be like, all right, you're the new Atlanta Thrashers. But um, the NHL has always maintained that even if the Arizona Coyotes were to leave Arizona, that they would want a franchise in that area the moment the talk of expansion came back up again. So they don't see a point in moving one to the other. Um, I do think that, look, um, if we're, if we're going to spend a candid second here on NHL expansion, um, we were talking about this Bloomington ECHL expansion off air and Raven was wondering why they would put a team in Bloomington, Illinois, as opposed to Canada. And, um, some Canadian, listeners might agree with that or they might disagree um now we know that there are some canadian markets looking at Juke quebec city that do want nhl franchises there and that the appetite is not fitted i guess or satisfied with echl hockey they want nhl hockey so um but the problem and I, I guess you couldn't look at it too much as a problem I think it's a boon if you're the NHL is you are a cross-border league right there's no Canadian teams in the NFL there's one in the NBA and there's one in Major League Baseball so you whereas in hockey you have seven so with that being said yes there there are already 32 franchises in the NHL but seven of them are in a different country than the one we are currently in meaning that there's only 25 franchises here. So the NHL looks at that and says, there's still a lot of cities that we are not in, which is a fair point. Plus the estimated $850 million expansion fee being divided up amongst all the owners definitely sounds like a boon for expansion. Um, that was a long-winded way of me saying, Raven, that I think Atlanta will be getting uh, top flight professional hockey again soon but that I don't know at what date that is. I know the NHL also has Houston on their radar. They have Salt Lake City on their radar too. Um, but I think Atlanta's right up there. I don't know the feasibility of it. I Look, I, I, the NHL has been in Atlanta twice already, once in my lifetime. I grew up watching the Thrashers play in the same Southwest, Southeast division as the Florida Panthers. Um, caught a lot of games at the old Phillips Arena on television, on local broadcasts back down home. And um, that was a thing until it wasn't. And uh, what do you think hockey can work in Atlanta, Raven? It has before, and 
the one game that I did go to uh, for the Atlanta Gladiators, it was a lot of fun. You know, there was oh, you went to a Gladiators game? Yeah, huh? I, okay. I, I went to one last year. Now, you were living there after the Thrashers had already relocated yeah. back to Winnipeg, right? Yeah, I moved in 2016. Okay, so that was after the Thrashers relocated. So you would not have had the opportunity, but... But, like, my stepdad, he grew up, like, when he was living in Atlanta, he would watch the Thrashers. So it's like, there are a lot of people in Georgia that are connected to the Thrashers and have memories of going to those games and watching, but... One of the reasons that I think Atlanta's going to be one of the more likely options is because of how many sports are leaving the city of Atlanta. Like, you already had the Braves move out to Marietta, which is about 40 minutes drive. I wouldn't be surprised if they think about doing the same thing and try to go not directly in Atlanta, but go somewhere 20 minutes out, close drive, where kind of diverts traffic away in case you have three games happening downtown. Plus, you would need another stadium, so. Heard, heard. I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. The Atlanta Gladiators, by the, way, by the way, the ECHL affiliate for the NHL's National Predators and the AHL's Milwaukee Admirals. Go so, ads, baby. Go ads. You also have some ties to the ads, too. Oh, yeah, so I've been a few, few games um, as a kid. Maybe the Predators are your team, Raven. I guess so. Nashville is just kind of uh, lining up for me. Nashville's a fun place to catch a game, too. Great place to catch a hockey game. So they love their hockey down in Nashville. So um, a couple more topics outside the NHL, and then we'll wrap for the day here. Um, thank you for sticking with us as long as you have. Um, we appreciate anybody that's out there and taking the time to spend some time with us uh, during your Monday or during your mornings, uh, regardless of the day of the week. Today is Wednesday, however, though. It feels a little bit like a Monday, um, but it is indeed Wednesday. So um, the Champions Hockey League. So the Champions Hockey League is a uh, collection. It's, it's exactly how you envision the Champions League in soccer. Um, it is a collection of the various European hockey leagues, and they take into account the records from the previous season and the success from the previous season. And it's an invitational-ish. Um, you can qualify for the Champions Hockey League, but under the discretion and direction of the Champions Hockey League, they know what teams they're letting in each season. So um, this year's final will pit uh, Geneve Servette against Sheleftia AIK. And um, you might... You see, you take a look at these rosters, and they are they are always dotted with former NHL players. Geneve Servette has uh, Sammy Vatnin, Josh Joris, Dan Winnick, uh, Timu Hardikainen. So guys that have played games in the NHL. Um, Shalefti has a few guys, too. Um, they have a few younger guys, like Elias Salmonson, the Winnipeg Jets pick, and Axel Sandin Pelica, the Detroit first-rounder from last year, who was a star at the World Juniors, and he is on the shelf right now from... My knowledge, I don't know if he will be for the Champions League final, but there is about a month before that happens. Um, but a quick shout-out to Val Filpula. He, um, he, he's already won a Stanley Cup. He's won a National League championship over in the Swiss Hockey League. Um, he has an Olympic gold medal. He has a World Championship gold medal. He's the only Finnish player to make the Triple Gold Club, which is the World Championship, the Stanley Cup, and an Olympic gold. And he scored two goals in the game. So... 
in the Champions Hockey League, the quarterfinals and the semifinals, it does have a big soccer feel, right, where there's two games and it's based off of aggregate score, which is a very unique thing for hockey that does not really exist in other leagues and in other formats. You don't really see that. Um, you did see that happen in one of the games yesterday where the losing team did not move on. Um, I'm looking up who that was. It was a team from the Czech League. Um, uh, Radera, they lost, they, they beat Sheleftia two to one yesterday, but they lost five, four on aggregate. So, um, Sheleftia moves on. And in the other game, Geneve beat, uh, Luca Rauma three to two and they won the aggregate five, four. So they moved on. But, uh, Val Philpila, when the aggregate was four, four and the game was two, two and, um, Geneve was losing that game for quite a bit of time. Val Philpila, Stanley cup champion, Pots two goals. He gets the first one and the third one. Sammy Vatnin with the goal in the middle. So a lot of NHL flavor on that team. Their netminder is also UC Okinora. Um, but point being, he scores two goals. He helps his team move on. And there are just guys, um, Dan Winnick included, right? Dan Winnick's older. I think he's 38, 39 now, who just continue to play because they love it and they really enjoy it. And they're still very, very, very talented hockey players. The Swiss league is a very good league, man. Um, that is not a league to be messed around with. Um, we will see who gets the win in the champions hockey league. Will it be the team from the Swedish league or will it be the team from the Swiss league? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to be rooting for Geneve here. Um, I, I would like to see a Swiss team one. I think, this this tournament has been dominated by a lot of the the Swedish and the Finnish teams in a majority of its time. So um, it'll be nice to, to see a different champion. Um, last note, and it is an international hockey note. So um, we all know what's going on over in the Middle East right now. Raven and I, yeah, Raven and I aren't going to unpack all of that right now. But it was announced last week that the IIHF was removing Israel from international competition for the time being. And that included the under 18s, that included the under 20s, the world juniors, that included the men's world championship and the women's worlds. And that was met with a lot of backlash. Clearly, the NHL released a statement. The um, A lot of the players who have some ties and a lot of alumni, Bobby Holik is a big advocate for the Israeli national team. He was a former coach of the Israeli national team. That is Stanley Cup champion Bobby Holik. Um, and we know it's very difficult what's going on over there, but the the opportunity for these kids to play is um, important. And so um, the IIHF, it, it was very unclear about what was going on, um, whether they would, uh, the IIHF said that all of these that they were banned from those four tournaments and that being the the men's under 20s the men's worlds the women's worlds and the men's under 18s um they had initially came out and later said that it was only the under 20s and then the IAHF has now reversed its ban entirely effective immediately um so Israel will now be able to play at the men's world juniors, the world, the men's worlds, the women's worlds, and the men's under 18. So um, that will begin with the uh, Division 3A World Junior Championships that will be held in Sofia, Bulgaria. That is later this month, January 22nd to the 28th. Um, we shall see how that unfolds. Um, and I know a lot of people are like, really, Israel and hockey? And is this really important? And... Um, 
is this really, you know, but the thing is, is these kids, first of all, they're, they're young kids. Two of these tournaments are, um, under 20. So, right. You have one under 20 and one under 18 tournament. So regardless of what's going on geopolitically in the world, those 18, 16 to 19 year olds really have nothing to do with it. So denying them the opportunity to play when the circumstances are so unique and complicated does nothing but hurt the development for hockey in the nation and um, get, have these kids miss out on an opportunity to stack up the work that they've put in into developing themselves as hockey players versus the rest of the world. Um, the good thing that the IIHF does with all these tournaments is the fragmentation and the division of it. I think that this is a larger topic for another day, um, but all the IIHF competitions, whether it's the world juniors, the men's worlds, the women's worlds, there are levels to them. Um, Israel does not play Canada at these events. They play countries that are comparable in level to them, and that is across all levels. Um, and if you win and you keep winning it, you earn promotion up to these different levels of these tournaments. It just shows that hockey is developing in your country. So long story short, it is nice to see that Israel will be allowed to play. Um, those kids and the men and the women all deserve the chance to represent their country. And um, we uh, give them kudos and wish them the best of luck as they play um, the rest of the season. And one final note, um, Tyler Ennis has retired from professional hockey from a neck injury. He was currently with Alder Mannheim of the DEL, who um, we saw, um, oh gosh, Dallas Eakins take over as head coach and general manager of that team. Um, it sounds like it was a career-ending neck injury. He had 346 points, 144 goals, and 700 games in the NHL. He played for Buffalo. He played for Minnesota, Toronto, Ottawa, and Edmonton. Um, he also played overseas with the, the Tigers in the NLA, Burn in the NL, and um, Adler Mannheim in the Dell, like I just said, and um, played 13 games with the Canadian national team, um, 10 at the 2015 IHF World Championship and three at the 2023 Spangler Cup. So congrats to Tyler Ennis on a great career. Um, he was a very good hockey player. There is the very famous picture of him standing next to Zdeno Chara. That uh, always gets a laugh out of me every time I see it reposted, even to this day. Um, although now that I'm thinking of it, that isn't Tyler Ennis, that's Nathan Gerby. My bad. Um, but similar stature, short, short in size, um, but even though they were short in size, the same the similarity between Tyler Ennis and Nathan Gerby is that they both had the heart of someone that was six foot eight, and they played like that. So um, congrats to Tyler Ennis on a great professional career. We. Uh, Wish him all the best and hope that he uh, will recover from a neck injury and be able to enjoy the rest of his life outside of being a hockey player. Um, so that'll do it for us here today. Um, we thank everybody for joining in. Thank you to Raven for um, being here and helping out. And uh, all the mistakes today were mine. Just keep that out there. And uh, yeah, like I said, three games on tap tonight. Uh, Wings, Panthers, Habs, Devils, and Hawks, Sabres. So the two of us will be back tomorrow morning. We will recap it all. We'll have Avery Lewis McDougal on with us tomorrow, too, to talk a little Western Canada and else other happenings around the NHL. So thank you again. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day. Stay warm, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>